The Athletic. Before we get started today, listeners, I'm going to take a punt and say that it's likely that some of you are gentlemen of a certain age and you've spent slash wasted several hours of your life playing football manager down the years. But if you wanted to get better at the game, you can join our very own Ian McIntosh, author of the world-famous Football Manager Stole My Life, on Tuesday the 25th of May for the Ultimate Football Manager Masterclass. Sports Interactive's Tom Davidson will deliver a top-level briefing on the secrets of FM21 and then former Rangers, Aston Villa and Birmingham manager Alec McLeish will pass on some real-life lessons from his nearly 25 years in real-life management. There are top prizes to be won too, including the opportunity to take on McLeish in a live-streamed winner-takes-all game of FM21. The event is all online and you can get your ticket for only £7 right now over at link.dice.fm slash masterclass. That's really catchy. So we'll do it one more time. Link.dice.fm slash masterclass. Steiercast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today, look at the stars, they shine just for you, and it's all black and yellow. Yes, some cold play from Borussia Dortmund and Marco Royce and Jaden Sancho in particular has won the DFB Pokal and Champions League qualification. But we ask, is Terzic Eden for the exit door after this fantastic end to the season? Elsewhere, Oliver Glasner's foul for Wolfsburg also secure UA for millions in a quietly competent Volkswagen Passat sort of style and it's close and a cigar in Berlin as Paul Dardai smokes out the competition in the relegation fight with a nil nil draw against Erster FC Köln. Our very own Bundesliga Meisters Christoph Biermann and Kevin Hatchard will also be looking at Robert Lewandowski equalising the eternal goal-scoring record of Gerd Müller and the untimely departure of Florian Kohfeldt at Werder Bremen before the final game of the season. All of this and more in Starcast. Welcome Christoph, welcome Kevin and welcome you dear listener. Before we get going though, if you want to read more about the Bundesliga and indeed dozens and dozens of amazing football stories each day, don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. So uh, no update from VfL Bochumland this week at the request of Christoph Biermann. We'll check back with him next week. Hopefully in a slightly happier state. But there's plenty to talk about in Bundesliga 1 to get us through this pod without any digression. So where should we start? So much happened. I think, first of all, I guess we have to tick off the box that is Robert Lewandowski equaling the 40-goal record of Gerd Müller. It's customary to say to do it in style, but I'm not sure that's the right word here because he did it in the penalty and when he had a chance to add an easy second, he missed quite spectacularly. Uh, Christoph, what does it mean, put it into context for us, um, for Lewandowski to be now forever linked to that record that Gerd Müller set 50 years ago? Yeah, it's it's an historic achievement. Um, that's what it is. I mean, uh, everybody was thinking that this record of Gerd Müller would stay literally forever because everybody was assuming in the football of today, it's it's impossible to score as many goals in a season in a in one of the top leagues um, uh, with 18 with 18 clubs or with 34 uh, uh, games. And uh, yeah, that's um, 
yeah, historic, fantastic, and and shows that uh, Robert Lewandowski right now is is he the best player in the world? I don't know, but but he he belongs to the uh, the top group of the best five or so. I think it's a testament to his consistency. I think it's a testament to the way he looks after himself because. The fact that he missed a few games, we were all a bit shocked because that just never happens to him. Uh, when he got injured onto international duty with Poland, it was a real surprise. He's, he is very much the Iron Man of the Bundesliga, and it, it's easy to kind of look at all the little things that he does and think, ah, oh, does that ma- really make a difference? Things like you know the essential oils on the pillows, and you know giving blood samples to the doctors to see what minerals he's missing and things like that. But when you put all those things together, that's what provides the basis for him to perform in the way that he does and then you've got the actual footballing qualities on top of that part of an incredible team of course that massively helps as well but you get the sense that even if he played for Armenia Bielefeld he would whack in a load of goals because he just has those incredible instincts in the box you look at the numbers in terms of where he puts shots so many of his goals are in those bottom corners and so many are down to all of that work on the training ground hitting the bottom corner again and again and again yeah and I've got a sense that we might have to revisit uh, that particular topic next week when he of course he has a chance to break the record we should say that not only did he celebrate with his whole teammate who gave him a guard of honor but also uh, with a get forever t-shirt which was a very nice very nice touch i guess the next place we have to go which is unusual at this point of the season is gersenkirchen because what they were doing or not doing really had very little impact on anyone they were doomed a long time ago but they came up with a sort of Alison Becker kind of strange late <laughs> result that changed the equation at the top completely because they managed to beat Frankfurt and with Wolfsburg getting a point and Dortmund winning, suddenly our top four race is over in pretty spectacular fashion. Frankfurt losing and Schalke, irony of ironies, as they like to say, doing a huge favour to their beloved neighbours of Borussia Dortmund, who are now guaranteed Champions League football once more. This is this is not what Schalke would have wanted, is it? Um, to celebrate the third win in the Bundesliga season this way? Uh, no, but I think they'll take the wins where they can get them, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. think the byproduct of helping Dortmund into the Champions League was what they were going for. But I think the remarkable story here is the Frankfurt one. Because if you look at the win they had at Dortmund early April, went seven points clear of Dortmund in the race for the top four, and you thought they were well set. And Adi Hüter's announcement that he's joining Borussia Mönchengladbach has clearly had an effect. And I thought it was interesting that Sebastian Rode, the Frankfurt midfielder and former Dortmund midfielder, didn't shy away from that topic. He said, look, it's something that we have to consider because the form has fallen away since that announcement was made. They got smacked at Gladbach uh, after, in the game immediately after that announcement. And they've just had some horrible performances. And to concede four goals against what is one of the worst Bundesliga teams we've ever seen is an extraordinary failure. And while they have slipped and won just once since that win at Zignal Iduna Park, Dortmund have won six in a row now in the league. And so when the pressure was really on, when it was time to deliver, 
Dortmund did it and Frankfurt simply didn't. Freddy Bobic made the point that he felt it was very superficial to talk of this lame duck scenario, that there were perhaps other reasons and it's maybe a, a useful narrative. At the same time, Christoph, I mean, this has been a, a real feature of the season with coaches changing and coaches leaving. Some of the teams really dropping a lot of points. I mean, Gladbach is, is a good example, although their slump had really predated the announcement. Um, we saw what happened at Leipzig in recent weeks. Their results haven't been very good. We don't have a control group, so we can't, we just simply don't know if, we, we if have. this is just, we have. do we? Yes, of course. We, we also have the uh, story of, uh, of Bayern Munich to an extent, to a little extent, but but the, the other story is Edin Terzic. So we, we know for quite a while this is inexperienced uh, caretaker manager um, is, 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 is back in the coaching staff under Marco Rose, who comes in from Borussia Mönchengladbach, and he has been uh, uh, writing a tremendous uh, story for Borussia Dortmund, winning the cup. Uh, bringing them uh, into the Champions League uh, at a point where nobody would expect it, creating a a, a true Borussia Dortmund team again. So, um, yeah, uh, maybe he's only a one-man control group, but 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 there is one. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it's exactly the same story because Terzic A is staying, or that we at least think he's staying. He might not be, but. If he isn't, then we don't know yet, and the players might not know yet. But I guess the bigger difference is that the aforementioned coaches, um, Hütter and Rosa in particular, and I guess Nagelsmann, you could say they were not just coaches. They were, they were the face of a project. They were the people who sort of held things together, made the team very special and there was a close bond, I think it's fair to say, between all these teams and their coaches. And when they announced that they're off, I think there was perhaps a slightly more emotional response that we tend to see in normal time, in, in usual circumstances, shall we say, when players are very hard-nosed and, and kind of very professional. It doesn't really matter who's the coach because they're leaving and, and going anyway. I think there's an argument to be made that they personally, at least maybe some of them, felt let down in one way or the other because the coach was so instrumental in kind of shaping this idea that together we can achieve something very special. But if we uh, look at uh, Eintracht Frankfurt and, and also if we look at Leipzig, for example, if, let's say, three months back, we would, say, would have said... Um, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt surely will qualify for Europe and will almost had the chance to qualify for the Champions League. Everybody would have said it's a huge achievement. And and, and I think it's uh, to an extent, if we would have said um, uh, Leipzig comes second, reaches the uh, German Cup final, loses it, but in a, uh, I, I think they they played a good match, but were a bit unlucky and, and so on. So uh, maybe we look 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 at it too much from from the end the but, outcome from the outcome. Yes, and maybe it's a, um, Borussia Mönchengladbach is a bit. The story is a bit different. I think, uh, especially the um, uh, match against Stuttgart was hugely disappointing. 
because uh, I think a lot of points that you could be made that they had so many games uh, over the season and they were stressed out by by this um, wasn't true uh, at that point anymore. I think it's definitely been a factor at Frankfurt them knowing that Adi Hutu is going, but I think it's one of several. Uh, I think if you look at this Frankfurt group, if you actually look over the past few seasons at Frankfurt, they do tend to finish seasons poorly in the Bundesliga anyway. And also, this kind of pressure pushing for the Champions League is just something as a unit, they're not used to doing. And whereas Dortmund found that extra gear and found that way to win games, Frankfurt just haven't been able to do it. I think you're right, Rafa, about the Gladbach situation being different in the sense that their drop-off predated the Marco Rosa announcement. Because if you look quite early in the season, they were really struggling to balance the Champions League and the Bundesliga. So they would drop points late on in games against teams that you would expect them to beat. And those habits never really went away. And we saw it again uh, in the game of the weekend against Stuttgart that they had an advantage and were just too passive and just gave it away. And Christoph Kramer was very um, very angry about that afterwards, the way that they played, said that they played with a lack of courage. And I think he's probably right about that. So if you look at the Champions League, a brilliant achievement to get to the knockout stage, even though it was effectively based on two big wins against Shakhtar Donetsk. But the Bundesliga season showed cracks before the Rosa announcement and that those habits have just carried on all the way through. Uh, Christopher, for a lot of people looking in from the outside, it's a very strange scenario that you have clubs poaching competitions, coaches during the season well in advance before the season is over. And then you have these weird scenarios where they're sort of, they're still there, but they're kind of half gone and it's very destabilizing. And of course, then that club, there's a domino effect that we saw very, very strongly, maybe strong, more strongly than ever this season. Why is the Bundesliga slightly, you know, spe- special in that way? We don't really get that in other big leagues. And is there something that maybe could be changed about that to just have maybe a bit more stability during the season? I think you're asking for some some kind of regulation. Um, uh, I don't know if, if there is um, a regulation about this in, in other leagues so that it's um, simply disallowed. I don't know. I think it's a bit of co- coincidence and, and also a domino effect uh, that it um, uh, that, that happened so much this season. Also, when you, um, I think, I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt was uh, badly hit also because uh, Freddy Bobic at the same time uh, said that he would leave Frankfurt for for Hertha uh, next season. And, and I think you have to put it together um, especially when you look at Frankfurt, that it's not only Hütter, but it's also uh, Hübner, the, the sports director, and 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 Freddy Bobic as the head of sports uh, overall leaving. I think it won't won't happen this this way next season or in recent years. I think it's um, yeah also a case of coincidence. Okay, just to uh, give you some results in case you weren't so familiar with what happened at the weekend. Bayern with that Lewandowski goal, only managing a 2-2 draw against Freiburg, but the game largely meaningless. Leipzig continuing their less than impressive end to the season with a 2-2 draw against Wolfsburg, although it was an interesting game. Uh, And Dortmund 
that was really the, the big one as far as they're concerned. After their 4-1 win in the Cup, they managed to beat Mainz 3-1. Although slightly mm, depleted Mainz or slightly... Uh, what is the best word how to describe their state of mind? Inebriated? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, they had celebrated the fact that they were staying up when Augsburg won the day before in the hotel room. Uh, everyone is in quarantine in Germany, those teams, so they're all staying in a given hotel. And they were watching as Augsburg's second goal went in against Werder to keep both Augsburg and themselves up. And you could perhaps sense a slight hangover effect, um, which Dortmund benefited from. And a magnificent Marco Royce increased his own chances, I think, to, to make the Euros. Is, is that a bit of a story as well of these recent weeks? The return, the renaissance of Marco Royce? I think absolutely. I think it's been an incredible reaction from him personally because you can almost plot that from that defeat to Frankfurt in early April because he's been one of the ones that's really kicked on. He's been scoring goals, making goals, looking much more like his old self. I thought he was absolutely stellar in Berlin in the cup final on Thursday. I know that Jadon Sancho scored twice and Haaland scored twice and a lot of the attention went towards them, but Royce was fantastic in the way that he started those moves and and created space for others, scored a lovely goal against Mainz as well. And he's been the standard bearer and that's what you want as a captain. And you could see what it meant to him to lift the cup for his hometown club. And Yogi Love, I think, especially given the fact we have an expanded squad now with 26 instead of 23, I think should look at him because he's pain-free for the first time in a long time. He looks as though he trusts his body. And he has produced consistent performances that have meant something. It's not just a run of games where it didn't really have any impact. He has dragged them to wins that have really made a difference to that football club. So I think he's been brilliant. Okay, well, I do have to ask you, though, Christoph, you were shaking your head slightly when I said Eden Terzic might be staying or should be staying as assistant coach of Marco Rosa. Do you think he has done so much? in terms of good results and changing the, the dynamic of the season for Dortmund, that it's almost become strange for him to go back as an assistant coach. And that would be more sort of logical and perhaps better for everyone concerned if he moves on and then comes back one year as, as, a, as a head coach. I would think so, yes. Um, I think he has impressed a lot of people at Borussia Dortmund, but also outside because it was a... I, I think was one of the um, a, a great um, uh, coaching things we could see uh, this season in the Bundesliga. So it feels like as if he would almost be too big as as a assistant coach in in, in next season, uh, and I think there will be a lot of interest in in him from maybe from Frankfurt or maybe from Wolfsburg if they if Glasner is really leaving, or even from uh, from England uh, because he uh, after his time as an assistant of Slaven Bilic at West Ham he, he his English is very good he knows uh, the Premier League and, and so on so so maybe there is even a, a club in 
in England that might be interested in him. And I think it, it, he would be well advised not, uh, not to stay because I think the situation would be too complicated, also for, for Marco Rose. I think that's one of the big points here, that Marco Rose is coming in and it's already awkward because Rose is leaving a club that is finishing the season really badly. And then you've got Terzic doing great things at Dortmund, winning the cup, leading them into the top four. So I think that would be really difficult for Rosa because as soon as it goes wrong, the players are going to be looking to Terzic and thinking, well, we did it that way under Edin and it was working and now you're asking us to do it this way and it's not working. So I'm not sure you could have 100% buy-in to what Marco Rosa wants to do if Terzic is there in the background. That wouldn't be Terzic's fault. He wouldn't be actively destabilising it, but he would be in a passive way just by being there. And I think deep down he will know that. And I think the fact that Hans-Joachim Vatska has been quite open about the fact that if a club came to them and wanted to take Edin Terzic, uh, they would definitely have a conversation about that. I think they realise that that's an awkward situation too. Just one thing on Terzic, I spoke to Patrick Alvomoyela um, on Sunday, he was my co-commentator for the Dortmund game on Sunday, about Terzic and how he's brought this change about. And the thing that was striking is that even when they were seven points behind, even when things weren't going well for Terzic, he always believed they would turn it around. And that unshakable belief definitely did transmit to the players. And it's not just that fans' enthusiasm. There was a real belief in what he was doing and what the players were doing. And that worked out in the end. Uh, definitely one of the stories of the season. Um, Edin Terzic turning... Dortmund season's around, perhaps it's more accurate to say that he saved Dortmund season because they weren't a million miles away when our good friend Lucien Favre left uh, or had to leave back in the winter. Uh, one more thing on Dortmund before we move on to um, Wolfsburg and other teams. They did win the cup on Thursday night, which we briefly mentioned. I think by now it's no longer news what happened in their game, but it is worth perhaps discussing briefly, Christoph, what it means to to Dortmund to win another trophy. It's their first since 2017. That was uh, Thomas Tuchel's last game before he left. You could see the celebrations. You could see how much it meant to somebody like uh, Lukas Piszczek, who is the veteran on his way out and managed to win another trophy and was in tears and was being uh, given the bumps and all that kind of stuff. It brought to mind something that Mats Hummels said when he moved back to Dortmund, saying maybe things mean a little bit more at a club where trophies aren't guaranteed. He was comparing that to Bayern, of course. What, what do you think that that cup win does for the club and, and sort of the, the vibe around the club, which has been slightly strained uh, this season. Uh, I was at the Olympic Stadium and I was impressed because although you have this huge bowl of a stadium and with the grey seats and and, and and a great show from the German fair, <laughs> really atmospheric. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible every year, but it's even more terrible when the stadium is empty. But you could feel how, how emotional this affair was, even in this empty stadium, so that there was an, an amount of joy and happiness uh, that was almost filling the stadium, although uh, the stadium was empty. And, uh, and I think it, 
means a lot. This cup win means a lot for uh, also the Borussia Dortmund uh, supporters because, um, as you said, I mean, they are aiming for, for, for titles, but they are not in a way guaranteed as they are for, um, uh, for Bayern. And, and, and so um, everybody is longing for it. And it's not only just the German Cup or so. Hey, it's a German Cup. We can put it on on our. We, we can write it on walls. We can put it on our letter paper and and stuff like it. It's important, and also for some for for some of the younger guys. I think it was an overwhelming experience to win a title for Edin Terzic, who is a lifelong Borussia Dortmund supporter. He can say, "Hey, I'm I'm as a supporter. I've been coming to several." Uh, German Cup finals as a fan traveling, he was telling about it, traveling in a train, traveling in a fan bus and, and so on. Uh, and, and now he is actually the man who made it possible or, or was part of the story. Uh, that was that was great. I, I, I really I, I really enjoyed it. It was actually very moving. There's some amazing photos of Edin Terzic in the stands in Berlin at the 2012 cup final between Dortmund and Bayern uh, looking still exactly the same uh, effectively uh, nine years before I think on a more pragmatic emotionless uh, basis as well this is good for the club in other ways because you look at a guy like Jude Bellingham just 17 has already won a major trophy with Dortmund Jaden Sancho I know a bit older but he's now won his first major trophy with Dortmund Erling Haaland as well and it just adds to this idea that Dortmund have going forward when they're approaching the next Sancho the next Haaland the next Bellingham that not only can they say we will give you games and you will develop now they can say you win trophies as well. And that's important when they're competing with other clubs around Europe to get these top talents. And let's be honest about it. That's what they do. That's the the central plank of their recruitment strategy. That's going to give them an even bigger leg up than they had already. So I think for those young guys like Sancho, like Haaland to be performing on a stage like that, I think it's going to be really important for the club going forward. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I think we it'd be amiss not to show a bit of love to Oliver Glasner and Falfa Wolfsburg. Never going to be the most popular, the most um, emotional achievement to do something at Wolfsburg. They have a small footprint outside the city. Not a lot of people take a great deal of interest in them. But it's still a remarkable achievement to finish in fourth. Uh, or possibly third, depending on what what happens next week. And to get into the Champions League with a team that has some very decent players, but very few that really scream Champions League at you. How, how was this done? Was this simply a team being competent and being solid in a year when everybody else seemed to be playing below their own potential or was there some sort of real I don't want to say magic but a lot of craft going into this 
into this project, Christoph. Before we talk about Glasner and what he achieved uh, there, I would like to talk about Jörg Schmatke as uh, the head of sports at, at Wolfsburg because he has such a tremendous record of success in, I don't know how, how long it is, almost two decades in the Bundesliga with uh, different clubs like Aachen, where his career started, in, in Hanover, in Cologne, and now, now in Wolfsburg. He, he, is, um, he is so good in, in um, putting teams together, finding the right coaches um, for the, the right approach. I mean, we, we have talked about it. I think it's not always easy going be between Glasner and him. And they may also made it uh, public. So uh, there's no doubt about it. But he, he brought in, um, in his time at Wolfsburg uh, the players and, and Glasner was able to, to form them in a... Yeah, you're right. Not fascinating team, but a very, very competent uh, team on a very high level. Christoph's absolutely right to talk about Jörg Schmadke because look at the players that came in that made a massive difference to that team. So Maxence Lacroix, young defender from Sochaux, nobody had ever heard of him. He's been one of the best defenders in the entire league. He's been sensational all the way through this campaign. Reid Labaku came in from Mainz. We knew he could play midfield. We knew he could play a bit of fullback, but he was mainly a utility player. But he's made a massive stride for that team. And then it's about what Oliver Glasner can do with that group. And it has been a triumph of coaching because you looked at them in the first six weeks of the season and you thought, well, they're effective. But God, they're boring. I mean, they are dull. And you wondered how this was going to go. And I have to hold my hand up and say, I did not see that team producing the kind of attacking football they did over the rest of the season because I thought they were just going to grind their way to eight or something like that. And they've been terrific because you've got Brooks and Lacroix as the base of that defence. You've then got a fabulous goalkeeper in Kuhn Castells behind them. Maxi Arnold's been brilliant in midfield alongside Gustav Schlager. Um, really good, solid partnership in there. Baku, as I say, has been great. They've got the absolute maximum out of players like Renato Steffen, who really found another gear that not many people thought that he would have. But then you need somebody to score the goals. And Wout Weghorst has been one of the most consistent strikers, not just in this league, but in Europe in the last three seasons. It's not as if he suddenly exploded this season and came out of nowhere. He's been doing this game in, game out for pretty much three years. So very much a collective effort, very much an effort that owes a lot, not just to the coach, but to the sporting director as well. Christoph, do you think that they will be able to keep those big players thanks to the Champions League money or will they be slightly more prudent and say, you know what, we can't just double everybody's wages on the on the back of one campaign and if they have big offers, then we can't really stand in their way and then they have to rebuild while they're in the Champions League. What is the most most realistic scenario there? Uh, I think that they, they will be able to more or less uh, keep the group together. I think there will be no huge investment. Um, even before the start of the season, um, the club that is more or less owned by Volks, uh, Volkswagen uh, decided not to invest massively. So they had their own, I would say, uh, uh, transfer cap 
uh, and uh, because they didn't want to pay um, more than 10 million for, for a player, and that was uh, um, Ritle Baku. They were interested, for, for example, in, um, in, in Gonzalez from, um, uh, from Stuttgart, but Stuttgart was asking over 20 million, and they would have liked him, but they didn't want to, uh, to, uh, uh, to pay this kind of money in the middle of the pandemic. And I think uh, now they are able to keep the group together, uh, uh, more or less, and uh, yeah, go on and uh, enjoy the Champions League. Okay, let's turn our attention to matters at the bottom. We'll go into this in, in great detail next week because, frankly, that's the only thing we really have to, to talk about next week because everything else is decided. No, Christoph is shaking his head. Oh, you mean the, the fight for the Conference League with Union Berlin? <laughs> yes, of course. How could I, how could I forget? I mean... Uh, they're, currently, but, 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 they're currently holding on to seventh spot, we it, should say, after it, a one-run draw against Leverkusen. Yeah, and, and, and if they really would manage to qualify for, for, the, for this uh, Conference League, I mean the Conference League already now is, I think, not the big story in the world of football. But for Union Berlin, I mean, that would be like, I don't know, like like Borussia Dortmund winning the cup now better than like Borussia Dortmund winning the cup in 1965 for the first time or so. Now it's, uh, so there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things going on next, uh, next Saturday for the Conference League. <laughs> and uh, Union have applied for special dispensation to get fans in because the case rate is, is dropping in Germany at last. Uh, I'm not sure that will be successful, but uh, fingers crossed for them. Um, and I, I get the sense, Christoph, that there is an update or at least a, a slight coda to your book coming because with Union in Europe, possibly, uh, that must be worthy of, uh, of a few more lines. But let, let's wait until we know a little bit more next week. But let, let's, let's just look at the bottom where... Um, we know three things. Hertha are safe. Um, they played out a nil-nil draw against Köln. Fantastic interview of Paul Dardai on ZDF Sports Studio with a massive cigar in his hand, sitting in a garden somewhere, I guess, in the team hotel of Hertha. Beautiful, beautiful, iconic moment for a club that hasn't really been uh, delivering too many uh, feel-good stories. But they're safe. As our minds, we talked about that. As our Augsburg, we briefly talked about that. Under Markus Weinzierl, I was going to say under new management, but it's not strictly speaking correct. Under old new management, under Markus Weinzierl, managing to find up win and safety. But then uh, things get a little bit interested, interesting because Bielefeld uh, clinging on to 15th spot. Uh, they had a very good game, actually, but could only manage a 1-1 draw against Hoffenheim. Köln are in the second automatic relegation spot at the moment on 30 points, but a win might be enough to save the next week. But the biggest story of all is Werder Bremen, because not only did they lose to be stuck in the relegation playoff spot in 16th place, but also they decided hmm, slightly belatedly uh, or just in time. Hmm, I don't know how to phrase it best. But they decided to part company with Florian Kohfeldt and put who else but Thomas Schaaf, the iron moustache, as I like to call him, <laughs> of Werder, back in charge to save them in that very last game. I mean, talk about desperation, Christoph. It is desperation. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. And, um, and it doesn't look, look like 
the 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 best idea and um it, it is the last straw or, or whatever and um and the 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 track record of the le of um uh, um uh, uh, thomas Schaaf as a as a coach at frankfurt and at hanover before he returned to werder bremen to uh, to work in the youth setup of of the club was not very convincing also I, I think uh, I mean we are talking about this I think two weeks ago when they were losing at Union Berlin uh, or three weeks ago when they were losing at Union Berlin and they looked dead as a team and that was the overall impression and and then they um, Werder set a kind of ultimatum for um, uh, Florian Kohfeldt and then they had this convincing game in the German Cup against uh, Leipzig where they dropped out um, uh, in extra time And, but, but I think the decision uh, uh, was wrong because um, uh, uh, I, I think Werder needed uh, already then or maybe weeks before uh, a different kind of um, um, impact. Uh, maybe just somebody else, as it is sometimes. I think even if this works and Thomas Schaff manages to get that win over... Gladback that they need. I don't think Frank Bauman, the sporting director, should escape criticism because he's handled this so badly. If you were going to make a change, make it much, much earlier. You could see early in that run of defeats that they were starting to really struggle. Make the change then. But he's decided to hang on and now panicking with one game to go. But then you look the season before. They had statistically the worst season in their Bundesliga history. Last time out, they managed to just about avoid the drop on the final day and then went through a nail-biting playoff against Heidenheim. Errors in the transfer market time and time again. Failure to buy the right players. Failure to sell players at the right time. I know they have financial constraints. I know the numbers look horrible. I get that. And that's going to become, I think, clearer and clearer as time goes on. But they're not alone in that. Other clubs have these strictures. Other clubs have difficulties and I dare say lower wage bills than Werder. But he's put together the wrong squad. And I think he's just mishandled this coaching situation completely. And in the end, what you've got is a guy that lives and breathes that club in Florian Kofeld, who hasn't quite been scapegoated, but not far off it. So I think it's a very, very difficult situation that Frank Bauman has largely been responsible for. Yeah, and you wonder how much of a clear art will happen if, if Werder do go down, if it's not just, as you said, restricted to Florian Kofad, who had to leave, but maybe will go a little bit higher. Marco Bord is also involved at, uh, at the club. Um, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for Werder to live with the fact that their own way of doing things, and they're very proud of sort of not being knee-jerk and being very measured and taking their time actually has has not worked out at all in this in this respect and they could join um uh, a long list of blue chip clubs or former blue chip clubs in Bundesliga too especially if Köln go down as well it would be very very exciting in Bundesliga too next year if Werder were in there as well with Hamburg for example but at the same time quite a shame not to have those big clubs involved in the Bundesliga just at a time when hopefully the fans would be back and the stadiums would be full again. But we'll talk about it another day. Werder are not down just yet. Um, they have, Kevin, as you said, that chance to save themselves with a win against Gladbach in consideration of other 
results going their way because they need to rely on uh, Bielefeld not winning at Stuttgart at the last day of the season if they want to leave that relegation uh, playoff place. But of course, they could also still go down immediately if Köln leapfrog them. And Köln are playing against Schalke, uh, which is uh, not strictly speaking a derby, but there's always a bit of needle between those two clubs and the supporters. So huge game. And we will bring you all the news of what happens down at the bottom. And of course, in that uh, fantastic quest for Europa Conference League <laughs> qualification from Union Berlin next season. <laughs> Until then, please take care of yourselves. Thank you very much. Thank you, Christoph and Kevin. Thank you, dear listener. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The Athletic. <laughs>